Well, good morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Kevin Cobb, and I'm the student ministries director here, which means I hang out with the junior high and high school kids who come around this place, which is usually a lot of fun. Um, and it is my joy this morning to share God's word with you. It's no accident that you are all here today, whether you came on a whim or whether you had been planning to come all week. God has something for you this morning, and I may not even know what that is, but he does. So I I pray that all of us will be encouraged this morning and that wherever we are, God will give us what we need for this week. So how many of you follow hockey? Anybody? Is that the, okay, that's not, okay, that's cool, awesome. So so if you follow hockey, you know what season it is right now. It is the Stanley Cup playoffs, which is like March Madness for basketball, except it's for hockey. And um, my parents grew up in the Midwest, but in Michigan, like way in the snow. Yes, Michigan, yes. Uh, and so they, my mom, the only sport that she cares about is hockey, which I was surprised that she could. Anyway, so, and when we moved to California, she really became a Sharks fan, a San Jose Sharks fan. I know, we're in Kings territory, kind of. It's, it's, huh? Red Wings, yes, Detroit, we'll go there too. Um, so, wow, I knew the team. I don't know hockey very well. Anyway, funny I'm talking about it. So, anyway, anyway, Friday night was the fifth game in the series of the Sharks versus their rival, their utmost hated rival, the L.A. Kings. And my parents and I had the opportunity to go to the game at the Staples Center. It was awesome. So there's some pictures there. They gave us these cool LED lights for everybody. And so they were like changing colors and whatnot. And you'll see for the next picture, for the national anthem, it's red, white, and blue all over the stadium. So that was pretty cool. And... You know, there's the next picture, my parents and I, and they're wearing their jerseys. But that's funny. That's exactly what I want to talk to us about. So while we were going to the game, Sharks fans and, well, LA Kings fans, hockey fans can be a bit rough at times. And my parents were concerned, not so much my mom, which is ironic, but my dad, who's six foot three and like, Yeah, Um, he was like, I don't know if I should put on my jersey just yet. I'm going to, people might start a fight with me or something. (laughs) And I'm thinking, okay, this is a thrilling game. Sharks are already three and LA Kings one. They only have to win one more Sharks to to kick the Kings out of the play. By the way, they did. Um, So it was a great game. Um, Yeah, anyway, I can't go there. Anyway. Even though the Sharks were winning, my dad had this big struggle. My mom did a little bit too, but my dad especially was like, I don't know if I can put on the colors because I'm afraid of what people will think. He, he wasn't sure that, that he could wear this and not get punched in the face. Um, and so he was t- torn between supporting his team or giving in to the fear that he had of the other, other players, right? So this morning, I want us to try a little exercise to get started. Imagine yourself going to your favorite team's uh, utmost rival playoff game, OK? 
Okay? You got that just like the Sharks game. And think, you're in that stadium. Maybe you like the 49ers. Maybe you like the Dodgers, the Giants. Maybe go back into football. You like the Green Bay Packers. Maybe you like the Lakers or the Warriors. I don't know. Maybe you're a Paso fan. Maybe you're an Atascadero fan. I got booze on that one last service. (laughs) We like all people here. Um, Whatever the team, whoever your players are, you've traveled far to go and watch this game, but you're on their turf. And because you're on their turf, you're not surrounded by very many people who are supporting your team. So imagine, when would you put on your jersey? Would you wear it loud and proud from the beginning, from the pregame show? Or would you be concerned that the Raider fans might take your life if you put it on too early? (laughs) Um, Or would you just not wear it because you're afraid what people think? Or maybe you're just out of wisdom. You've you've learned that lesson before. Out of wisdom, you're not going to wear it. So I want you actually right now to turn to a neighbor and tell them, When you would put on your jersey, answer that question. When would you be willing to put on your jersey if you were going to a rival team's game and you were one of the few fans there? Go ahead. You've got a few seconds. For some people, this is easy. Some people, it's a little harder. All right, all right. By the way, how often do you get to, like, talk in the middle of a sermon, right? (laughs) Trying some new things here. So, let's see how how you do, how loyal you are. Raise your hand if you would put it on before the pregame and wear it loud and proud. Nice, of course, of course. I'm so glad that you are confident and loyal supporters of your team. Now, I have a side question, which brings us to where we're going today. How many of you would feel the same about wearing a jersey for Team Jesus? Yeah, right? Maybe, maybe not. How many of you would wear, spoiler alert, (laughs) Jesus wins? So... Sometimes I think, and I've seen this. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a tiny little story about the shirt. I've had this shirt for three years now. A friend gave it to me, and sadly, I have never worn it. That's right. That's right. That's what we're talking about today. Sometimes it's easier to be fans of things when everyone accepts them than it is to be fans of things that people really have a hard time with. Trusting in Jesus sometimes means that we have to overcome our fear. So, but it shouldn't. As 1 John says, perfect love casts out fear. And that perfect love is the love that we have from the Father. So my hope today is not to guilt anyone to being bold for their faith or for their beliefs, whatever they might be. But my aim is to have you consider your heart and your life and the depth of which you cling to this one that we say that we believe in. And if you don't believe in Jesus this morning, don't worry. 
Don't worry, I'm not going to rail you over the head. In fact, Jesus is excited that you're here and he's going to invite you to believe in him. So let me pray and then we'll dig into our text in John chapter 12 this morning. Lord, I thank you for being here with us. Lord, thank you for all that you have taught us um, by creation of who you are. God, and the things that you've done in our lives. God, whether we know you or not this morning, I pray that you would draw us closer to you, that you would make us brave. God, that you would show us that you are our good father whom we can trust no matter what the world says about us. So be with us and help us to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been walking through the Gospel of John for a while now, and uh, sometimes I like to do this to give us a recap of where we've been because I think it's important. Um, if John has begun to feel a little repetitive, don't worry. This chapter changes everything. It's a major turning point in the book. But let me remind you, the purpose that John has for writing this gospel, this story about Jesus, he tells us at the end of his book. In John chapter 20, verse 31, John writes that all of these things, this entire story about the life of Jesus, has been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And up to this point in John's gospel, Jesus has talked with many, many people and, and shown them who he is in those conversations. He's also performed many miraculous and powerful signs that point to his power as God. In fact, there's been seven of them, and you can do some fun number stuff in the book of John with the sevens and the sixes and whatnot, but we're not going to go there. We don't have time. But the last one, the seventh one, which I think is so important, which we got to hear about last week, is that he raised Lazarus from the dead. That's amazing. So all of these things point to Jesus being both the Son of God and Israel's long-awaited Savior or Messiah. And after all this, now John, in John chapter 12, is pushing a decision on all of us who are listening or reading it. Do we believe in this Jesus that he's talked about, that he's shown us? And if so, how will we respond? Will we respond like the people in the chapter or not? And so John chapter 12 starts us the last week of Jesus' life. It's six days before the Passover festival in Jerusalem, a week before Jesus will be crucified. And we see these three scenes, which I have to skip to get to where we're going today. But these are in the Gospel of John chapter 12. First, we see Mary and Martha preparing an amazing feast in Jesus' honor to celebrate that Jesus brought their brother, Lazarus, back from the dead. And by the way, that whole thing about bringing Lazarus back from the dead is repeated over and over and over in this chapter. It's like, people, if you haven't heard anything, hear this. Jesus raises the dead to life. Okay, got that? That's important context. And also at this dinner, there's something crazy that happens. Mary breaks this amazing amount of perfume on Jesus' feet. And it fills the house with this amazing smell. But this is like a year's worth of money that she spent, in a sense, in five minutes. And so there's this guy named Judas, and he's kind of upset. We could have used that money to feed people. Come on, why'd you waste it? But Jesus honors Mary and says that her 
gift is an extravagant act of worship. So that's the first scene. The next scene is Jesus coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And I'd love to tell you more about that, but Israel Gonzalez was here on Palm Sunday and he talked about this very passage. So if you want to hear more, go back on our website, listen to our podcast and check it out. It is awesome. And after the triumphal entry as king into Jerusalem, there's one last scene where Jesus is talking with some other people, some Greek people and the Jews, and they're asking him some questions. And he explains that he is fast approaching his death and that he has to die. And that's the way that God is going to glorify him, Jesus, as his son. That's hard. But that's where we are in the story. And so now we get to our scripture for this morning. John 12, 37 and on. So you can follow along with me on the screens. Even after Jesus had performed so many signs in the presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason, they could not believe because as Isaiah says other places elsewhere, he, God, has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Wow. After all these people have heard and seen All of these signs, including Lazarus being raised from the dead, so many people still do not believe that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. Do you know people like that? Maybe you were or are one of those people that we have, you might have experienced God's goodness or his power somehow in your life. And yet, you don't have enough to put your faith in him. Maybe you do. Why is it that people choose not to believe, even after they've seen and tasted of who God really is? Well, John says that this guy, Isaiah, this prophet from the Old Testament, has an answer. He says, Isaiah says, that some people don't believe because they cannot believe. That God has prevented them from believing. Uh, (laughs) What? Wait, doesn't God want people to believe in him? Why is he stopping them? Well, that's why I've got to pause here. And this is kind of a side note from our main point. But I really, if we're going to go through this, we got to get through the whole thing. So I need you to understand this. So God does not prevent people from believing him out of some like chance lottery that he like pulls names out of a hat or out of some favorite system because he likes brunettes over blondes or something. No, 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 no. No, God, as we understand him throughout his word, is over and over pursuing people, all of us, with his grace. He wants all of us to come to a saving faith in him. But some people choose over and over and over not to trust, not to believe, not to follow in him. 
And so eventually, God says, well, I know what you, I know what you want. So I'm going to finally give you what you want, even though I don't want you to have it. And it's not what's best for you. And so he gives them over to what they want. And in some sense, first we choose not to believe, and then he pushes us down that path to see what it's really like. And our hearts are hardened. So God doesn't prevent us initially, but he does let us prevent ourselves from believing in him. And then he lets us go. So if you want to dig into that hard topic more, I encourage you to read Isaiah 6 because when you read its entirety, you'll see what's happening here in John is a mimic of what happened in the Old Testament where Israel over and over and over said, no, God, we really don't want you. And so God says, fine, I'm going to let you go and you're going to suffer. (laughs) I don't want that, but that's what you've chosen. Or maybe he did, he did it with Pharaoh as well. Pharaoh chose not to obey Moses, not to obey God. I'm not going to let your people go. And after choosing that enough times, God said, fine, I'm going to harden your heart, Pharaoh, so that you will not let my people go because it's going to cause you even more harm. So read Isaiah, read Romans chapter 1, read the story of the Exodus and see how we choose and then God lets us go on our own way. That's hard. But if you are in a place today where you do not yet believe in Jesus, though you might have tasted and experienced who he really is, I encourage you to do some hard work and make a decision. You're here at Highlands today because Jesus is inviting you to believe in him. Don't risk having a hardened heart because you've chosen over and over and over not to follow, not to believe Make a decision, at least to be honest with why it is that you don't want to choose. And figure it out. Put in the effort. Put in the time. And if you'd like help or someone to talk to, don't worry, I won't throw it down your throat. (laughs) Come, come talk with me or one of the other staff, the elders, the deacons, even a volunteer. We would love to talk with you about what it really looks like to believe in Jesus and why we believe in Jesus. I encourage you, believe in Jesus. Okay, let's keep going. So many people, it says no one believed in Jesus, right? Well, John switches and he comes to this place a few verses later where he says some people actually do come to believe in Jesus. Just like in Isaiah, there were some, even though Israel was hard-hearted, God still saved a few to believe in him. So let's read. Yet at the same time that everyone didn't believe, It says, many, even among the religious leaders, they believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than the praise from God. John is almost sarcastic with how he puts this together. And he's completely emphasizing the fact that though these people believed, they looked very sane to the people who didn't believe. In effect, a few people, I mean, very few people could tell the difference between those who believed in Jesus and those who didn't. On the outside, their lifestyles, their actions, their conversations, their attitudes were no different. 
So what's the reason for their weak belief? John says they loved human praise more than the praise of God. And this is so relevant to us today. Oftentimes, we are the many in John 12 who believe in Jesus, yet don't acknowledge him to the world around us. We claim that we love him and that we follow him, but sometimes our lives don't show it. It's just like these jerseys. No shame or guilt, but how many of us care what people think when we might wear a t-shirt like this? Like I said, I haven't worn this t-shirt, and some of that has been because of fear of what people might think. And that's what John says. Sometimes it's fear of what people think. Sometimes it's that we want to please others. We want them to like us more than we want God to be happy with us. The fear of rejection or our desire to be liked by others, it grips us at times. It influences our decisions We fear being abandoned, being alone, being shunned. Maybe we even just fear having an awkward moment with a friend. So we hide our faith. I feel this internal conflict often when people ask me the question, Hey, Kevin, what do you do? What do you do for a living? Uh, I work with teenagers. Um, because if I say I'm a youth pastor, I've had people say, do this. They've been, oh, okay. Right? We care. And sometimes we care for the right reasons, but sometimes our fear gets the best of us, just like here in this chapter. Believing in Jesus, though, changes all of this. It changes everything. John has showed us this throughout his gospel time and time again, that we have nothing to fear when we trust in him because we have the unconditional love of Christ. We have a constant source of confidence and joy because Jesus found us, the lost sheep. He rescued us from our past and our mistakes and our sin. He forgave us and he is the only one who will ultimately satisfy all of our needs and our desires. He'll never leave us. He's our everything. That's the power and the truth of this gospel that we believe in. So today, I don't know, how are you doing? Are you living for the praise of people? Or are you living for the praise of God? Maybe you're hiding your faith from your family and your friends because they might dislike you or disown you. Not to worry, Jesus won't disown you. Maybe you're hiding your faith from your coworkers or business partners because you might lose that contract or lose your job. Well, hopefully as we believe in Jesus, we would realize that he will provide for all of our needs. Maybe we're not honest when people ask us what we did on the weekends. Oh, I went to Sunday morning church. Because they might reject us or, I don't know, say something funny. Maybe we shy away from speaking his truth. But we're missing out on an amazing opportunity to bring him glory and us joy. 
One last thing. Maybe when people ask us what church we go to, this is more for the religious elite people of Paso. You know, we might be a bit embarrassed to say that we go to Highlands because people think that Highlands doesn't preach this Bible. People think that Highlands is all about the show and the fun, but we're not very deep. We're not very meaty or weighty in how our faith responds to him. And if that's who we are, then I think we should close the doors. But I don't believe that that's true of us. Instead, I believe that Highlands is the church that God wants us to be. That we are the light in the dark place. That we are a voice of his hard but strong and loving truth. That we bring justice to this community where we can. We are a hospital for the broken and the sick. So let's wear our Jesus jerseys and show people what team we're really on. And you know, all of this pales in comparison to how easy we have it here. I mean, we might get a funny look, right? People across the world are dying for their belief in Jesus. And that happened way back then and maybe back like 100 years ago. But man, if you haven't been following the news, then I want to tell you, there's this group called ISIS and they are constantly killing people who say that they believe in Jesus. Now, if people are dying for their faith and I have a hard time wearing this t-shirt, I might need to do some work. Maybe you do too. So let's stand up for Jesus and really show what we believe to the people around us instead of giving in to fear. Let's watch this clip. dangerous time to be a Christian. Torture, beheadings, destruction. The highest level of persecution of Christians. A church congregation barricaded themselves in from hundreds of riot police. They're enduring attacks for their faith like Along never with the Savage kidnappings of Christian schoolgirls in Nigeria by Boko Haram and the burning of Christian images churches. of violence dominate headlines. Christians are being warned to have a choice. Convert to Islam, pay a very steep price. Or face death. Chilling new video showing the beheading of 21 Egyptian Christians. Beheadings of 21 Christians. 21 Christian men beheaded by Islamic State. The title of the video is a message signed with blood to the nation of we the cross. The, the sharpest jump in violent uh, attacks against Christians. We need to make the persecuted church an issue of prayer. is costly. It might cost us everything, but it is worth everything, even our lives. 
After all, Jesus is the one who gave his life for us first. So let's be willing to lay down our lives for him. So if you do not believe, I encourage you, search the scriptures, ask God to show you himself. It's worth making the decision. But if we do believe in Jesus, let's be brave and confident and proclaim him as our savior and king. Don't go back to your old life, the life which Jesus saved you from. Every day the choice is yours. What team will you choose? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this challenge. God, for the example of people around the world who have given their lives to believe and follow in you. God, I pray for those of us who do not yet believe that you would show us who you are in an undeniable way so that we can't help but come to faith in you. God, for those of us who do believe, God, we repent of following our fear at times and giving in and not showing you to the world. God, give us boldness. Give us strength. Remind us that you are everything. And help us, Lord, to follow you wherever you lead. Amen.